Welcome to another episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And today I am joined for a special episode by Tim Cato and Mo DeKeel of the 77 Minutes in Heaven podcast. We're doing a special crossover episode previewing a hypothetical Clippers Mavericks first round series uh, with the ongoing coronavirus pandemic right now. It does look like the NBA would be returning sometime in mid to late June at the earliest. Uh, per ESPN. So if that is the case and the league is aiming to finish the season sometime in August, uh, theoretically, there would only be about a one and a half to two month window for basketball to be played, in which case the league would probably go straight to the playoffs. So if that happens, the Clippers right now are the two seed, the Mavericks are the seven seed, and that would be the first round matchup if things stand. Uh, But this is all hypothetical and theoretical right now. Uh, we just thought it'd be a fun exercise to kind of do in the meantime while there isn't much basketball content. Uh, Mo and Tim, how are you guys doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? As good as, good as you can be given the circumstances, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a weird, it's, it's a, a weird, weird time. time. It's a weird time to be uh, in, in sports media, uh, for sure. It's a weird time to be alive, Tim. This whole thing's weird. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's unprecedented for sure. Like, but I think we're all the most important thing is I think we're all pretty healthy and we're all doing our part. I'm hoping to try to flatten the curve and 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 keep everybody safe and and doing so. It's time to podcast, folks. <laughs> yeah, obviously, like there there's not going to be regular season games played again. If if games get played at all, it will it will be you know maybe a warm up game or two and and yeah. and then straight to the postseason. There's just there's no other way to way around it. Quite frankly, like. You know, I, I don't think we're going to see games with fans played until, you know, late, late this year. Yeah, yeah next yeah. next season, late, late this year, this physical year. Um, it's it's definitely not we're not we're not going to, you know, if, if, if there are any sort of playoffs played, it, it will be Mavs Clippers, you know, with with the standings locked. I feel pretty confident about that. It's funny you say that because so, early, you know, this week I've done a couple pieces, one on the offensive side for the Clippers, one on the defensive side. And I had some people going at me on Twitter like, oh, well, they, they, they got to finish the regular season. Like, you, you got to play those remaining games out. And I'm like, how are you going to find the time for 18 games, like, you know, or 17, 18 on average, whatever, per team, plus the playoffs? Like, you, you could not condense that into a two-month window. Now, maybe you stretch into, like, September, October. Like, I, I don't know what, what they stretch into, but then now yeah, you're no really way. pushing the season back. Yeah, so just no, no way at all. I, I don't see it. Um, you know, I, I saw Woj had reported, I think it was yesterday, that the league was was considering doing maybe a few regular season games um, to, to kind of just almost act as like a preseason and then also potentially shortening the first two rounds of the playoffs. So maybe those would go back to or the first round would go back to best of five and then the second round would actually be best of five. Um, but either way, it's going to be a weird season and, and it really sucks, which I think we're about to get into with like some of the basketball that's been played this year, like it has just been amazing. And it's, it's been all the storylines you, you would think of. It's been Giannis and the Bucks and, and LeBron and AD and the Lakers and, and Kawhi and PG and the Clippers. And Luca is broken out and having maybe the best season ever for a 21 year old or in that conversation. And it's just, it sucks that this is the way, I mean, obviously, you know, there are much worse things happening and we have to like keep that perspective but this is our jobs this is what we do we talk about basketball we, we get paid to to do this so ju- just from that perspective in, in like the basketball world it, it does kind of suck that this regardless of how this season ends whether it's just you know outright canceled or 
no more regular season and go straight to playoffs. Like it's just going to be a weird, you know, kind of asterisk to the season. Yeah. I mean, that's just kind of the situation we're in. So, you know, that's, that's unfortunately the, the realities of a lot of sports that are going on right now and, or, yeah. or were going on at, at one point. So, uh, you know, the NBA is going to do the best it can. And, you know, if we do jump right into the playoffs, I think we've all said it. We got Clippers and, and Mavs. That that would actually be kind of a fun series to see these two teams battle a little bit. And, you know, I know Yovan's written about it, uh, you know, the past few days. Tim, I believe you have a piece coming out. Yeah, me and uh, me and Jovan are are combining on something. So it's so, uh, so yeah, we've it, we've we've been talking about it. We've been thinking about it. Um, I guess so, if, if I can if I can take take over and throw it to you, Mo, like as as a neutral party here, you know, someone who isn't a beat writer of either team, what what stands out to you right away? Where 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 should we start talking about this hypothetical series, whether it happens or not? Let's you know, we're obviously assuming the best and that it will. Where what what's most interesting to you that that you'd want us to kind of kind of talk about? I really think the most interesting thing for me, for for the Mavs perspective, is how do you defend these guys, right? Like, I don't think they have enough guys, especially on the wing, to be able to defend Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Uh, I think they're fine with their size in terms of causing issues at the in the paint, but I'm, my biggest concern for the Mavs is how do you stop those guys? Like, what's the first... You know, you listen, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith just had a great year. I don't know if he's good enough to guard Kawhi. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., not a guy I really feel comfortable guarding. Paul George, uh, I've, I watched some clips of – I went back and watched the game yesterday, the last game, and Maxi Cleaver did a good job on Kawhi. And they did a good job forcing him into tough shots, but I don't know if that's something you can replicate in a seven-game series or five-game series. I mean, Jovan, you've been looking at the tape, uh, you know, and, and you as well, Mo, more, more than I had uh, have this week. Uh, I mean, Jovan, your, your conclusion was that Finney Smith, it, it just cannot guard Kawhi, you know, could not at least in the in the two regular season matchups, right? Yeah, f- physically, Kawhi just dominated him. And like he, he dunked on him twice um, and, and, you know, had, had multiple possessions where he was just, you know, pounding him in the post and, you know, getting offensive rebounds and just... Uh, like that is not just just physically he he is not strong enough I, I think and that's where the the maxi matchup comes in I, I think uh, I, I thought he did a better job um, I still thought he he struggled a little bit at times with the foot speed where I, you know Kawhi was able to to drive on him a couple of times um, he was able to dance with him in the mid range and I mean that, that that's where I, I think this conversation shifts a little bit is I, I think you kind of know what the Clippers are going to be in the playoffs a little bit more. Um, like as far as just, we, we know what Kawhi has done. Um, we, we know what Paul George has done and, and he's gotten that kind of playoff P um, flack from people. But, but I think as a number two option, he, he's, you know, tailor made for that kind of number two slot and, and is probably, you know, borderline overqualified for it, but I think it is going to be great in, in kind of that, that sidekick role. Um, and then, you know, you have the, the complementary pieces, which uh, I think they're as deep as anybody in the NBA. But um, I think, you know, Kawhi specifically with his game, we saw it last postseason with Toronto. He can just you know get to that shot, that, that mid-range pull-up, um, you know, ISO shot that, that he's just a master at uh, pretty much against anybody, uh, you know, against any defense, any defender. You could go big, you could go small. 
Um, he's going to find a way to get that off and, and he hits it at a, a pretty efficient rate. Um, so I, I think that's where, you know, in the regular season, you're, you're going to see, you know, offenses like Houston and, and maybe Dallas and, and maybe Milwaukee kind of be hitting at a different level. But when it comes to playoff basketball, grind it out, slow it down, uh, really possession by possession, I think that does favor the Clippers a, a little bit. And that's why so many people have been so high on this team. Uh, for their playoff potential, just because of having guys like Kawhi and PG and and Lou Williams, who kind of thrive in those inefficient like mid range shots, um, I think you know that that's kind of where where the Clippers are. But I, I'm really intrigued um, to to kind of shift the conversation a little bit with, with Luca, just because we have not seen him in a postseason yet. Um, you know, as I said, and as Tim has written many times, like. This guy's putting up historical numbers. You know, this is maybe the best sophomore season we've ever seen. Uh, it's in that conversation. Um, but how does he adjust to the spotlight and the scrutiny of the playoffs, right? Like, because how many, you know, we've seen it time and time again. Guy plays great in the regular season. Um, and, and look, like, I, mean, I think James Harden, I mean, he's, it's probably been overblown some of the criticism, but. He is someone who's put up these monster numbers in, in the regular season, and it has just not translated to the playoffs. So, how does Luca in this matchup going against maybe the the team designed to stop, you know, the best team designed to stop wings um, in the NBA with, with Kawhi and PG and Pat Beverly and um, Rodney Magruder was sneakily someone who did really well against Luca in the two matchups. Um, you got Marcus Morris and Jermichael Green who could switch on to him in, in a pinch. Um, I, I just think. I'm very fascinated by by you know just Luca's performance and really him being in the playoffs for the first time and, and facing a team like this. Goes, so, so there's two things even, at play here. Go ahead. You Tim, want this, ahead, Mo? No, you go, 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 Tim. So there's two things at play here. One, one is just the idea that you know there there is a star player. This is young star player uh, being in the postseason for the first time, and and that is something I'm not worried about. You know, obviously, the the one unique unique thing about Luca is the fact that he comes from you know a professional background that that he won you know Euro Cup with with uh, with Real Madrid and you know he won the the uh, the the Spanish league title and he won Euro Basket with with Slovenia, the Slovenian national team. This is this is a kid who has been in incredibly high pressure situations. You know, literally his entire playing career just about you know his entire professional playing career which dates back to to the point you know to 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 him as a 16 year old when he was you know entrusted to play against people a decade older than him and and you know one of one of his breakout games from real madrid was was when his coach you know put him on the floor and the other team didn't guard him and he hit you know three straight threes to, to help you know get real back into it and that was him as a 16 year old and, and just you know with each progressive year he has handled and and you know done a great job you know with with more and more pressure on him so you know if, if you look at that as as kind of um you know in, in a very specific thing you know postseason nba basketball is different than the regular season it, it, there is no question about that but you know from from a pressure standpoint from a from a standpoint of him having to understand the the, the different stakes that that's something luca's you know been dealing with all his life and, and i don't think that's going to change him now the other thing is is that you know he is still a developing player, you know, just, just, just in the sense that he's figuring out, you know, the, the NBA as a whole and that, that the Clippers, you know, have the one thing that he struggled most against, which is many athletic wings that, that can bother him, you know, just, just one after the other, you know, who get in his face. Luca is a, you know, Luca, 
you know, the, the biggest reason he made this jump to to being in the MVP conversation this year is that Luca has been able to beat players off the dribble, you know, uh, uh, you know, whenever he wants, really, which which is a crazy thing. It's not anybody. It's not anything that people expected him to do when, when they're scouting him as a prospect. Um, and, and the way he does it is, is, you know, basically by, you know, not, not because he has a better first step or, or blinding athleticism, but his athleticism works in a way that he can go one way and then the other, and then, you know, back, you know, maybe left, right, left. And, and when he's going right and then shifting gears and going back left, uh, a, a defender can't really match him. You know, he has the side to side and deceleration, that 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 is really unique and it's very uh hardened-esque it's it's you know one of their biggest reasons why they've drawn comparisons why they're able to get that step back shot is because you know they can start and stop quicker than most uh most defenders but you know the the thing is that that when you have this many athletic wing defenders who who can kind of keep up with him who can you know at least kind of you know slow down luca for maybe 10 seconds you know, 10 seconds of a, of a shot clock is an eternity, especially for a playoff possession. If, you know, if, if Luca's not making any reasonable headway against, you know, even his man defender until there, until there's, let's say, 10 seconds left on the clock, that's going to really, really bog down the, the, the Mavericks offense. And so that that immediately makes me, you know, it's, it's why for, you know, most of the season before uh, before games got postponed, before social distancing, before all these things, you know, uh, I, I kept saying that the Clippers was the worst matchup for Dallas. And, and specifically, the reason I've said that is that, you know, I think it's the team that can bother Luka the most. And when Luka is your linchpin of, of a historic offense, obviously, you know, it matters that he's at his best. And if if he struggles, you know, I, I'm sure he would score points, but, I, but I'm worried he would shoot like 38% while scoring 28 points a game. And so, you know, I think that's a very real concern and, and definitely you know, why the Clippers are, are very equipped, you know, very especially equipped more than any other team to really stymie Luka in this Dallas offense. Yeah, I think, you know, you broke down, Tim broke down Luka kind of perfectly in that sense. And the, the guy I'm more worried about, Jovan, isn't Luka as much as it's Porzingis. You know, he's never been in the playoffs and he's been in the league a long time. And, you know, he doesn't have the accomplishments that Luca had in in Europe you know like Luca's been in those big games he he knows that feeling now it's not the same as the NBA playoffs but it's a little bit different and you know Porzingis has been in New York and you know look the Knicks haven't been in the playoffs in what feels like forever uh and and never during his time so he's never really kind of sniffed playing a really important or crucial game in March and April let alone in the playoffs so that's kind of who I would keep my eye on in terms of maybe the spotlight uh, shining a little bright on him. But, you know, in terms of Luka and how he can attack the Clippers, you know, one thing about the Clippers, Jovan, is that, you know, they're not the best pick-and-roll defense team, you know, and I think they can do some interesting things by attacking Luka, trapping him, and, 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 and trying to force the ball out of his hands. But traditionally, you know, the uh, I'm going to get super nerdy here because that's what I do. Uh, pulling up the stats on uh, synergy, uh, they allow you know zero point nine points per possession in the uh, in the pick and roll for pick and roll ball handlers, right? And that's Luca right there, and that's twenty fifth in the NBA. That's that's bad. That's well below mm-hmm. average. Like that's an issue for them, and that's where I think the the Mavs can try to really create things out of there because if they can get you trying to to collapse on Luca with his vision, like he'll be able to find the guys, you know, and, and it's going to be on, you know, Porzingis. It's going to be on, uh, 
Hardaway. It's going to be on a bunch of those guys to knock down shots. Seth Curry's another guy. Like they got to hit threes to really make the Clippers pay when they collapse on Luka, which will open things up for him. But it's going to be a challenge regardless. You know, like I think the, the Clippers are going to have that ability to be able to go from you know, late in games, it's probably going to be Kawhi on him. Let's let's be honest. If if it's a close game, Kawhi's probably going to be on him. They go set the pick, and Paul George is probably switching on to him. I mean, well, that's basically two All NBA defensive guys right there on you, and that's going to be a an, an issue for Luca to have to handle. And that's where the Mavs are going to have to get creative and how they get Luca off the ball and then back onto it pretty quick. Yeah, no, you you bring up good points. Um, I you know, it's I, what I, I couple... do. It's what I do <laughs> sometimes. But I, I have a couple. Oh, Timmy! <laughs> I like the delay here. <laughs> um, so I think you hit on Kawhi's defense, and I think that's the thing over the last month and a half that would give me even more confidence in, in the Clippers in this matchup is that Kawhi's kind of sneakily ramped it up defensively, where he's now you know it's really been basically since they traded away Mo Harkless, who Mo is kind of their Swiss Army knife, more Mo. As Mo likes to say, you can't, you can um, never, you can never trade a Mo. That's just such a drastic mistake. <laughs> that, that, well, once they traded Mo Harkless, Mo was like, "I'm out on the Clippers as championship contenders." Uh, <laughs> Facts. Uh, <laughs> um, so, but once they traded, you know, Mo served this this important purpose for the starting unit, where he was the Swiss Army knife, where he would defend anyone, you know, one through four, basically the best offensive, you know, player he would kind of get that initial assignment and the Clippers would use Pat, Kawhi, and PG as basically the ultimate, you know, help defense in the NBA. Um, So that has shifted over the last month or so with Kawhi actually taking that assignment now. And he's been guarding, you know, Ja Morant. And, um, uh, you know, that's that's the first one that comes to my mind. I I should probably know. Like, I mean, Ben Simmons and like just kind of on and on down the line, like – um, you know, Jason Tatum, like he's been guarding the go-to guy from the jump in, in these matchups now. And I, I think that is a shift that I don't know if they would start him on Luca necessarily. They, they've tended to start Pat on him and, and just kind of hope that Pat will dig into his legs and, and play physical and, and bother him a little bit and just annoy him. And, and then I, I agree they would probably shift Kawhi to him maybe in like the fourth. But I think Kawhi's kind of defensive resurgence where he, it wasn't like he was mailing it in, but he wasn't going 100% defensively. And I think you've seen him going close to 100%. And, and it's damn scary. Um, it, you know, when, when Kawhi locks in, he can really lock in. Um, you know, I thought he did that well uh, in the Houston game against like James Harden and um, he, he's just been locking in uh, defensively recently, and, and it, it's been scary. So I, I think that's a big thing kind of in the Clippers' favor. Uh, Paul George has also gotten better. He was kind of bad uh, for most of the season defensively and, and has played better the last month or so. So I think just the combination of those two guys um, you know, now potentially being rested uh, for, for a bit and coming into that um, w- with fresher legs – I think that is an advantage to the Clippers. Now, how they're going to defend Luka, um, at least based on the regular season. So the, the Clippers are a drop team. Zoo and Trez drop. Um, so you know they're going to hang back around the free throw line. And the, the Clippers will change their scheme against Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, James Harden. They did not change the scheme against Luka for the most part in the regular season. So they were perfectly fine with if Luka wants to pull up in the mid-range 
or kind of take a rush three-pointer with a guy recovering behind him. They were fine with that. Um, they did not play their bigs up in the pick and roll against him. Now, if it's a one through four situation, they will switch one through four. And you, you saw them putting Jermichael Green on him, um, you, you know, like Rodney or, or whoever was switching, like they're fine with that. But um, so I think the way they will defend it is that. Now, if Luca is just, you know, hot and, and torching them, he shot 15% on, on threes against the Clippers in the in the two matchups. So you know, that strategy worked, but that doesn't mean it's going to work in the, in the postseason. And um, I didn't realize how bad of a three-point shooter Luca was. Um, I know he takes a lot of difficult looks, so that probably skews it. But I think he's shooting 31.8% in the regular season on like nine attempts a game um, or eight or nine. So I think the Clippers are honestly fine with, with him taking as many threes as, as, you know, Dallas wants. I think what concerns them is when Luca goes downhill. And when Luca got downhill... That was actually most of his scoring in the two matchups. He either got fouled or he was able to, you know, hit those floaters and runners, um, you know, sidestep guys for layups. So I think for the Clippers, the, the greater concern is going to be Luca's penetration and what that leads to, which will be, you know, him scoring fouls or kick out, uh, you know, threes to shooters. So that would be that. And then Porzingis, I think they're going to put a wing on him and, and try to switch that pick and roll. Um, I, you know, they, they did not defend him much with Zoo or Trez. I think it'll be Jamichael. I think it'll be Marcus. I think it'll be Kawhi and PG. And they're going to try to switch every Luka KP pick and roll. So um, I think the Clippers are well equipped to defend Dallas, but um, I, I'm not sure you can say the same the other way around. Yeah, Tim, how's how, how do you think Rick Carlisle is going to look at trying to defend the the Clippers and what they're doing? I mean, he'll get weird with it for sure. There's there's no question. I love I mean, that. This, I love that. You know, Rick Rick is a a certified weird coach he likes doing weird things he he enjoys you know coming out with with different schemes and and looks and you know they they practice the two leary zone that they that they use a fair amount uh in in the um in the in the regular season they've done this for years uh they've done this dating back to you know the the late aughts the late 2000s Um, i mean they won a championship off the yeah they won the championship by playing a zone yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they mixed it in there, you know, here and there. And it, it does bother people, especially when, you know, it kind of allows them to play smaller guards. Um, you know, it's not as big of an issue, but in the past, you know, that's something they like they liked to do. But yeah, no, I mean, it's there's no question. I, I think that, you know, as, as far as, uh, you know, we, we talked briefly earlier about how, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith probably isn't a good matchup for for Kawhi Leonard. Um, he's going to get mid-range shots, like like you said, Jovan, uh, back, back a few minutes ago. But you know, you, you don't want him driving by you and dunking that, that, that is, that is what, you know, really breaks the defense and, and kills you. And so, you know, I don't think Finney Smith is, is the ideal candidate for that. I, I think that he's going to make more sense uh, running about running around with Paul George, trying to stick with him on, on ball screens and off ball stuff and, and movement there. Uh, put, put Maxi Kleba on, on, uh, on Kawhi. I, I think that's the best option. You know, Kawhi will get to his mid range spots because he's going to do that against anybody. He would, you know, probably do that against, you know, Scotty Pippen, if, if that's what it came down to, you know, you can always get mid-range shots. That's why it's still a valuable shot in the NBA for, for, for specific reasons. But, you know, if, if Kawhi is going to beat you with mid-rangers and, and he might, you know, he, he did that against some teams last season and in route to a championship, you know, I think you have to let him do that because, because you're a, uh, you know, the Mavericks are the seventh seed here and, and, and the Clippers are not, the Clippers are a title favorite. So, you know, you, you have to, you have to play the, you know, the mathematically sound, uh, the mathematically sound game plan here to 
to uh, you know have a shot of an upset. And so you know put Maxi Kleber on uh, on him. Uh, if Clippers fans don't know him, he's a he's a six ten two two forty you know kind of a four five guy. Uh, but but the one thing that he can do is he he can switch down and and you know he's fairly uh, movable, fairly switchable. You know anybody who's 6'10", 240 is is not going to be perfect there. You know you don't want to, you know, put him on Pat Beverly per se. But you know if he ends up on him, uh, then then maybe he can do a decent job. And, and the same goes for Kawhi. Uh, you know he's a he's a uh, Max Maxi can can shuffle his feet enough to to hopefully stick with him. And he's he's a he's a he's he's got this weird skill of of not really being you know he's a good shot blocker, but most of his blocks actually come on the ball, not not off the ball, coming you know rotating over. Uh, where where he will uh you know he'll stick with you 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 think you can rise up over him for a floater and and he just somehow gets a hand out there because he's a, he's a really quick second jump so you know I think that's that's the best case scenario for for who the Mavericks want on Kawhi most of the time now it's not as simple as you know this isn't the 90s you don't it's not it's not a one on one game uh, all all of uh NBA offenses are designed to 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 get uh their star player you know get get your worst defender on their star player you know that's 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 half the purpose of of you know the first 10 seconds of the shot clock uh in in a lot of offenses so it's it's not going to be that simple but you know if if you had to pick one guy guarding Kawhi Leonard uh I feel like Maxi is probably your best bet Mo I want to pose this this question for you and and then Tim you could answer it as well how would you guys start games for the Mavericks because I looking at it from my perspective I, I think one of two lineups would make sense, um, and, and they are both lineups that the team has used recently. But I think defensively, you probably go, you know, KP, uh, Maxi, Luca, Hardaway, and, and Dorian, and those are your five. And you know, you're putting Maxi on Kawhi, you're putting Dorian on PG. Um, you know, KP can can guard Zoo, and then. Um, I guess Luca probably takes Marcus Morris, although it could be Hardaway. Doesn't probably doesn't really matter. And then the other guy just defends Pat. Um, that to me defensively is probably the the best starting unit for Dallas given their personnel. Um, but there, there's part of me that's like, what if Dallas just says screw it and like let's go all offense and you bench Maxi, you put Seth in. I, I know Tim and I have talked about that lineup being being used more since Dwight Powell went down. And you just go KP at the five because we saw the Clippers just play Houston. Obviously, Houston doesn't have a center. They don't have someone taller than 6'8". Um, and the Clippers just destroyed them. You know, Zoo and Trez lived in, in you know as role men. They, they rolled their way into wide open dunks and offensive rebounds and, and fouls. And and then defensively, they they controlled the glass and, and Houston just got, you know, blown out of the water. But KP is, a you know, KP is not P.J. Tucker. You know, KP seven foot three. Um, He can protect the rim. He's a big body, and offensively, he's probably a better shooter or at least more of a threat. Um, And obviously, can do other stuff besides just shoot. So, I I don't think the you know the clip the Clippers could stay big in in that scenario, but I don't think it's as as black and white as just like we're going to bludgeon them inside. You're not you know KP's bigger than Zoo. He's bigger than Montrez Harrell. So. I don't think it's it, they're necessarily going to get away with that the same way. So I actually think going KP at the five might force the Clippers to downsize and say, "All right, Jamichael, you're you know you're going to be at the five, and, and we're going to go back to our our you know lineup from last postseason uh, against Golden State, or maybe Marcus Morris, you're going to be at the five, and you just got to get into KP's back and, and push him and and be physical with him, uh, and then we can switch basically one through five, you know, defensively, but." 
how would you approach the the kind of starting lineup, maybe the closing lineup? And do you think there's some value potentially in going with KP at the five a lot to really try to play Zoo and Trez off the floor and maybe give yourself an advantage in, in that regard? Just just for context, and Mo, I want you, I want I want to hear what your thoughts on here. But just for context, the 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 two starting lineups Dallas has used is is when fully healthy, um, and and since Dwight Powell went down is. You know, they always start Finney Smith, Hardaway, Luca, Chris Epps, and it has been either Maxi or Seth, depending on matchups. So that that those two lineups are both very much in play. You know, they they've been, you know, both of them have started, you know, as often as possible when healthy. You know, either, you know, those four plus either Seth if they want to go smaller and offensive focused, or Maxi if they want to go larger and defensive focused. Um, and it's interesting. I, I would imagine it's one of those two lineups, and it'd be really interesting to see which one they decided I, i'm not sure which one would be right what do you think mo i think you're going to start out with kleba just because you know you're, you're going to have that like okay we can't stop this team at all let's go full-on offense you want to have that in your back pocket like you start out that way then it kind of becomes a problem i think and i don't think i think they can that starting lineup with kleba instead of curry works to start you know and and you know i'm not sure how worried the Mavs are going to be about Trez and, and zoo. I mean, you know, they, they did a good job in the paint last game. Uh, last time they played sort of just defending the paint in general and their size, like you said, like Porzingis is going to bother Trez. He's going to bother zoo uh, 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 with just his length and his size and things like that. And I would start, you know, Luca on, on Beverly. I thought he did a pretty good job on Beverly to start that game as well. So I think that's kind of the matchups I'd go. I'd have Tim Hardaway being able to go any which way and, and, you know, have him, you know, guard the bigger guys or, or whatnot. Cause I just don't think it's going to be a big issue for them. Like, you know, listen, any possession where the Clippers try to post up Jamichael green, cause he has a matchup. That's a win for the Mavs. Like that's, you, you you're good. You're set. Yeah. You're covered. That's a win for the Mavs. Whether he makes I, it I think or it's, not, I think it's more the rim protection. Where, like, basically Dallas, you know, KP is such a a just has such a special skill set that you can basically play small ball but big, right? And like be big right, this, at the same time, right? Where, whereas if the Clippers are forced to play small ball, there's no rim protection there. And, and I thought going back and watching some of Luca's highlights of when he actually got into the paint scored it was you know either well it was either trez was in there or the, the clippers were just going small ball with, with jermichael at the five and i think that is the one kind of downside to that is when they go smaller they don't have that rim protection like jermichael is a bit like jermichael is, is randomly you know th- this goes back to last season with rookie luca the 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 Clippers liked how Jermichael defended Luca. There was a game in LA um, during Luca's rookie season where they put Jermichael on Luca, and they thought he did a pretty good job. And, and he actually switched on to him a bit in in the two games in, in Dallas, and, and kind of held his own for the most part. Um, you know, he, he can move his feet. He's not a you know great defender, but but he he does a you know a decent job. So the Clippers are fine with that. Like if it comes down to Jermichael having to guard Luca for stretches, like they're fine with him switching on to him. But I, I just think it kind of neutralizes a little bit of the Clippers defense because I, I mean, and something I just wrote about today, which, you know, I, I don't know if you guys saw, but like zoo actually did a pretty good job uh, against Luca. Uh, I think he, 
like you know, block, blocked or kind of altered his shot like four or five times in the paint. And I think Zoo could actually be big in this matchup um, just a, a, as a rim protector. But if he's out there, I think you know, if he's not out there, I think Luca could live at the rim because uh, w- when Trez was in there, he, he was scoring on Trez or getting fouled at will. And I, I just think for Dallas, I would try to take Zoo out, just take rim protection out from the Clippers because if you could get into the paint on the Clippers, I, I think you, you can score on this team. Right? Yeah, and like, even they're just so good at preventing that. Even to nail down exactly, you know, you say small ball, and that that is like the shorthand for it. But like the reason teams play small ball is you're putting your best offensive players on the floor. And the best offensive lineup Dallas can throw out there involves a seven three three point shooting shot blocker. So that's that's really like the, the weird dynamic of of this Mavericks team that they can be they can play these massive lineups because their best their you know their their star point guard is six eight and and you know their second best offensive player is is seven three and at a very very viable shot blocker. So you know they have there's these these you know fully slanted towards offense lineups they can they can use while also still you know maintaining retaining you know the the typical skills you'd want in any given lineup yeah i mean just also just what you said was absurd right like the seven three <laughs> center in your small ball lineup is just like it's just is it, it, it it's kind of insane i think this is where it gets interesting and that's where the chess match really sort of begins for both doc and carlisle trying to figure out you know what do you do and how do you how do you play and you know if doc's looking at it and man they've They've made it really difficult to keep Zoo on the floor, but also at the same time, yo, we can't stop him defensively because we don't have any rim protection. I mean, is that where you take? I mean, gosh, we're, this is tough because you know the other thing too is they just signed Noah, Joe Kim, and 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 that would be a guy that maybe would be interesting, but we have no clue what he looks like now. We're, and and to be honest, that's kind of something the Clippers aren't going to know till you know if we get back on the court and start playing. Like that's where things kind of get. Interesting. Like they're going to be in a tough spot trying to figure out how to protect the paint and whatnot. But I think that's where their wing players and their perimeter defense has to be really on par into like, we're going to cut down paint penetration. Like we're just going to shut that down all the way and we'll live with them having to beat us from the outside. And that's in itself is also a scary proposition, but that's where we get to the, the, the questions there of, of, you know, what are you willing to live with? And that's really what these things, that's really what coaches' decisions are in the playoffs. You know, what shot are we willing to give up? You know, because, and that's on both ends of the court. What shots do we want? What shots are we willing to give up? And you, because you can't take away everything. You do and you give it up, everything. Like you're just, you're just going to get killed. So you got to decide really. And I think for the Clippers, their big thing is just going to be like, yo, we're just going to pack the paint. You know, and 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 let's see if we can do enough damage offensively, and if we can hold them off from long range long enough to to uh, to win the series. And for the Mavs, it's going to be you know, can we attack enough? Can we get going enough? Can we push the ball in transition? Can we fly up the court? Can we get put pressure on them in the paint at the same time? You know, find ways to force Kawhi Leonard into difficult shots to force. PG into difficult shots. If they make them, they make them, but they got to be tough shots. We can't give them easy looks and things like that. And that's really what the series is going to come down to for both teams. Yeah. And, and, and one thing quickly to add to, to all of this, it was a point I forgot to make earlier was that I felt like one of the smart things the Clippers did in the regular season series was 
they did play a lot of Pat and Rodney on the ball, and, and those guys are bulldogs. They will try to get into your dribble. They'll try to get into your legs. You know, they, they get pretty low. Um, and, and then using Kawhi and PG and Mo as kind of like the ultimate help defenders where, you know, Luca averaged five and a half turnovers uh, over the two games. And that was in large part just because his passing lane, you know, windows just, you know, shut closed pretty much uh, when Kawhi and PG and and Mo kind of used their wingspans and and just kind of like, you know, something would look open and then all of a sudden Kawhi's in the passing lane, PG's in the passing lane. Um, You know, Mo's no longer with the team, but I I just think the Clippers, that's also going to be part of their strategy is like, maybe we don't put our best defender necessarily on the ball, but we're going to play the passing lanes very aggressively. Um, you know, those guys are long. They, they do have um, really good instincts off the ball. And I think that's kind of what makes this team, you know, so so scary and so versatile defensively is just they can give you different looks. Like, you know, Pat is someone who gambles a lot. He's going to be super aggressive. Or you could go with Kawhi, who, who's someone who's way more disciplined and fundamental defensively. And he's not going to bite on your pump fakes or, you know, your, your ball fakes or whatever. Um, so I think just the Clippers mixing it up defensively that way of like, you know, potentially defending pick and rolls differently, depending on, you know, whether they want to focus more on the ball, whether they, they want to focus more on the passing lane. Um, I think that'll be something to watch too. But last thing here, before we wrap up with our prediction, I think we should talk quickly about the depth and the bench um, or the, the benches because, on most nights, the Clippers have a depth and, and bench advantage. Um, you know, this is now two straight seasons leading the league in, in bench scoring. Um, you know, two straight seasons having two six men of the year candidates in, in Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell. Um, and, and clearly, this team you know goes 10, 11 deep with, with really quality rotation um, players. But I actually think that this matchup is going to be very close in terms of the depth. And something that Doc has talked about all season when asked about staggering is that he's confident in the bench. You know, the, the bench holds their own. And it's true. Like the lineup data backs that up. Um, but I think this, you know, first, I mean, just in the playoffs in general, you're going to have to play your stars more. So Kawhi and PG are going to be in the mid to high 30s. Um, and I think just naturally that's going to lead to more staggering. But I actually think this is a matchup the Clippers are going to have to stagger because. You know, Rick Carlisle is a magician with his bench units. He always has this kind of ragtag group of guys that he just figures out a, a way to make them super efficient and, and effective. And Dallas, um, you know, th- they obviously lost the season series, you know, 2 but four of their bench guys were the only guys in the matchup for Dallas who had positive net ratings. And I thought that was kind of telling of like, Dallas can win, I think, some of these you know, uh, late first, early second, late third, early fourth minutes. And if the starters can at least keep it close, you know, that's going to make a lot of these games, I think, close at the end if the bench can come in and kind of do their thing. So for the Clippers, I don't think it's a it's a straight like, oh, we have Trez and Lou and Reggie Jackson and Jermichael, like we're going to win the bench minutes. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like Trez has actually struggled against Dallas. I, I wrote about it. Um, their bigs give him a lot of problems. Um, Lou has been kind of hit or miss historically in the playoffs and, and more miss than, than hit. I think his career, like 35%, uh, you know, field goal percentage in the playoffs. So like, I'm not sold on the Clippers bench outplaying Dallas's bench. I think it's going to be really, really close. 
And if I were the Clippers, I would look heavily into staggering with always having Kawhi or PG on the floor, always probably having even a, another starter on the floor alongside them, and and really kind of you know not getting into a, a bench chess match because I would probably say it's even, or I'd maybe even give Rick Carlisle and, and Dallas the advantage there. So uh, that w- w- how do you guys kind of see the depth and the bench dynamics playing out? The Dallas bench, I mean, it, it they're deep, they're they're versatile. Certainly, um, you know what what you said about Carlisle and the way that he manages them. That's that's definitely right. You know, I, I'm I'm not quite as sold that they're perhaps better than than what the Clippers have, especially with the way the Clippers kind of boosted at, at the at the trade deadline and with buyouts and, and things like that. Uh, and, and especially considering you know Dwight Powell's out for the year, Jalen Brunson underwent surgery, so you know this is a totally hypothetical matchup. Uh, probably impossible to predict whether he'd be healthy or not but you know they, they they're a little weaker than they were to start the year uh but but yeah no they, they have a lot of options they they have a lot of versatility in that way you know a lot of a lot of ball handlers if, if not you know not exactly point guards but but definitely a lot of people who can handle the ball in in seth curry delon Wright, jj Barea, you know brunson if he if he's around so you know it's it's a it's definitely a team that that has a lot of looks that can throw at you, which which is I think the most interesting thing thing about Dallas and, and this Dallas team. You know, it's it's still um, it's still yeah, I think that you know they asked each of their players to do you know maybe five percent more than they should be. I mean that's just kind of the nature of a of a young uh, young team and in, in, in the early process of, of you know its complete team building. But but yeah, no, it's it's uh I I, I still think you know the the Clippers were at least play them evenly there, but. You know, you never know. You know, it's JJ Bray is certainly a uh, you know he's he he hammered them, uh, and I think the first game that, that, that these two teams played together, and, and he's been a, a playoff linchpin in, in the past. You know, basically one you know certainly helped win Dallas a uh, uh, you know the, the 2011 Finals by by his insertion, insertion into the starting lineup. So you know, it's it's a it's it's a you can't totally predict what what to get from that Dallas bench, and, and certainly they have some upside there. But see, I look at it as in the playoffs, like I think Doc will shorten the rotation. Like, you know, bench depth is great to have. It's 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 awesome. But at the same time, come playoffs, you're beginning to shorten your rotation down to seven, eight guys. Like you're not you're not going to be going that deep into your bench. Um, and if you are, that's because you're searching for answers and you have real issues at that point. So I think for the Clippers, it's you know, I think they'll, they'll be all right. I mean, for me, I actually kind of disagree with you. I don't think it's going to be that close of a series. I think it's going to be, uh, or, 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 or even at the bench level stuff. Cause I just don't think doc's going to play his bench guys that many minutes. I think do we, we'll do we want to do full blown predictions well, now? Yeah, I, was, let's, I, I was about to die. I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be, cl- I, I think I'm saying, I think it has the potential to be close. If, I, I think basically I think Doc can't get cute with the minutes, and I think you've still seen some of that. But I do, th- and I do think it's important how like who kind of gets their minutes cut, you know. And, and um, you know, I obviously have my opinions on that, but like I think, or I yeah, I don't know. I, I just think if the, if the Clippers kind of maximize their main guys and play those and play who's playing well and, and who's playing well defensively and who probably should play. I think this is going to be an easy series, but I, I think if they get a little cute with the rotation and, and you know, this guy should play and this guy should play like, I, I don't know. I, I do think, I do think it'll be a quick series. I'll, I'll leave it at that before I make my official prediction. I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be tight, not close. If that makes sense. I, I think the games will be, you know, competitive, 
I, I don't think there's going to be a lot of blowouts, uh, certainly not for Dallas, but I, I don't think the Clippers are going to blow Dallas out too many yeah. times. It's going to be a lot of, you know, eight to 10 point wins, you know, maybe, maybe a couple going right down to the final two minutes. But if I had to, if, if, if we're assuming a seven game series and I had to predict, I would say Clippers in five with, with only one game being double digit, being a double digit win, but, but Clippers in five. Yeah, I'm going. I'm going Clips in five. I just think, at the end of the day, I just don't think the Mavs have the defensive firepower to kind of uphold against the uh, the Clippers. I mean, they're just they're they're going to be so dominant in the wings, you know, that it's just going to be too much for them. I don't I don't know if they're going to be able to really combat that. Um, I will I will say this though: if it's a five game series, it could get really interesting really quickly. I don't think people remember how how quick a five game series can turn, you know, if, if, if it becomes, you yeah, know, a best of five to be clear. Yeah. I'm sorry. A best of five. Sorry. If, if the Mavs were to win, uh, to steal game one in a best of five series, things would turn so incredibly quick. Cause then the pressure ramps up a ton. Whereas in a seven game series, even if they lost game one, it wouldn't be as, uh, it wouldn't the pressure wouldn't ramp up as much and and I think that's that's something to keep an eye on if that's what they go through but I think either way I think the Clippers are gonna uh, win the series I think they win in five I, I just because I want to give Dallas credit that a chance that they could win a game but uh, I also wouldn't be shocked by a sweep I, I'm with you guys my my prediction is Clippers in five um, I, I think the way I kind of envision it is like I think they probably blow i think one of the two la games is a blowout i think the other is is close you know maybe it's game one's a blowout then dallas makes some adjustments in game two and it's close then they go back dallas wins one of them and then la comes back and wins game five um i I will say i i think i know i'm you know maybe delusional here but dallas does have the third best net rating in the west and you know clippers have a 6.4 net rating dallas has 5.8 and it's a pretty big gap between Dallas and, and the next closest team, which is Houston at 3.4. Um, so I don't want to say I don't I, I think Dallas is closer to that Houston, Utah, Denver level than than maybe people want to suggest. And and you could easily make the case they have the best player, uh, I, I think, out of those four teams, or you know, Luca's at least in that conversation with, with, with James Harden and, and Nikola Jokic. So I don't want to write off Dallas necessarily. Like I, I would not surprise me. I'd honestly probably be more surprised by a sweep than a six game series. Um, and you know, maybe I'm in the minority with, with that, but I, I do think the combination of Luca of Rick Carlisle of, um, you know, I, I think just the Mavericks being good. I think the Clippers have almost struggled with better offenses than better defenses this season. Um, and, and with Dallas having, you know, arguably the best or, or most efficient offense of all time, um, I, I just think they could potentially cause some problems. And, and I think going back and actually watching the tape on Luca, I was a little bit more optimistic on the Dallas side of I thought he settled for a lot of bad threes, um, just a lot of inefficient shots. And if he can kind of clean that up a little bit and be more aggressive and, and try to go downhill as much as possible. Um, I do think he can get the Clippers' wings into foul trouble, um, which he have you know he got thirty free throws over over the two games, and I think if he can replicate that, um, at least you know ten, twelve free throws a game, like I, I do think Dallas has a shot. But I will stick with five. 
Um, I, I just think it does have the potential to potentially be a, lo- a longer series, especially with the Clippers not always being locked in. I think it's it'll be probably be different in the playoffs, but you never know with this team. They, they've been up and down all season, um, and maybe they take the first round a little bit lighter than they should. Um, so yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead. We're not going to know. We're not going to know after this. <laughs> yeah, the, the gonna season's going to be canceled this. within yeah, the next like, week. <laughs> yeah, you know, guys, I, I would just love to see it. I would love to see basketball <laughs> being played. So that's that's what I'm rooting for. Um, I am rooting for seven games, a seven game series, because that would mean seven games we get to watch. Let's end on this really dumb question, though. What player is coming out most out of shape? <laughs> in this in this series or like we're looking we're, we're gonna start this series and be like oh he did no cardio <laughs> who, who are oh, we man, looking I'm at think. i i i yeah I, it would it would be i, I gotta is, protect myself here i can't say any names <laughs> if i if i if i had to pick a clipper i would say like um i mean zubach how dare you tim that's his cousin don't don't come at cousin zoo tim he'll get you that's true or maybe um actually uh, mo uh harrell graham uh, yeah montrez i think could uh almost you you pick a clipper i'll pick a mav i'll say uh i'll say harrell i'll I'll say luca (laughs) it's it's reasonable that's 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 like the reasonable pick to to, if you had to pick i do i I do know probably one one podcaster who's going to come out of this out of shape, and that's going to be me, fellas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've done nothing. Uh, yeah, let's figure we end on a fun question. <laughs> Where can people find you guys on social media? I'm at Tim uh, underscore Cato. Mo DeKeel underscore NBA. I'm at Yovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this.